Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. All right, we've been studying in First uh, Peter, and so take your Bibles and open them up to First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five. This is a very rich passage here in uh, verses five to eleven that we're going to read, and and from this I have three points uh, for us to look at and to consider, and the three points are this: uh, be humble. Be watchful and be hopeful. Be humble, be watchful, and be hopeful. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, the Bible says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you be in subjection one, uh, one to the other, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. As you look at this passage here and you see it starts off with uh, humility, being humble, and he talks about the younger submitting and being humble uh, to the elder. Um, I would think that the uh, being humble, humility uh, in our relationships uh, is going to be important. Humility in our relationships as it, as it relates to the church, um, as it relates to uh, family, friends, humility will go a long ways. He mentions here, uh, likewise ye younger, um, humbling themselves, submitting themselves to the elder. If you would start in verse 1 of chapter 5, it begins talking about the elders of the church those who uh, would have maybe the oversight of the flock of God, the church of God. Um, And so kind of in both ways, but in verse 5, he mentions the younger and the elder. Um, I think it's uh, helpful in this relationship between the younger and the elder that the younger would show some respect. Some respect in the house of God, in the church, in the body of Christ, uh, that the youngers... I, I think of what Paul told... Uh, Timothy, he said this, he said, um, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. And he's, of course, Paul's talking to Timothy, a a young pastor. And one of the ways that uh, uh, someone could despise our youth or your youth is that uh, we are disrespectful. 
uh, to our elders. And so this, this respect uh, that goes in this submitting and this humility uh, that would go a long ways um, from the younger to the elder. But can I say humbly that this goes both ways? In verse 5 he says, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder, yea, all of you be in subject one to another. You know what's a wonderful thing in the body of Christ and the house of God is when there's unity. When there's unity. When uh, folks of all ages, uh, the elders are respected and honored, but also the, that the youth are loved and, and not despised and brought in and, and, and taught in the house of God. Um, can I say also that both the younger and the elders uh, struggle with this thing called pride? And so he's saying here, um, there should be no generational war in the church. The, the younger resisting the elders and the elders resisting the youngers. But it is a beautiful thing in the house of God and in the people of God is when both the younger and the older folks work together to bring glory to God in humility. Subjecting themselves and being subject one to another, working together in the house of the Lord. Humility is a thing that is in our mind. It's in our heart. That's why the Bible tells us, uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's a, it's a mindset of humility. Um, it affects our actions. It affects our attitude. And, and you know... Humility is one of those things that will go a long way in, in helping us not be easily offended. Uh, many times when we're offended easily, it's because our pride was hurt or something like that. But humility will help us go a long ways and not be offended. He mentions here being clothed in humility. That's an interesting way of putting it. Clothed in humility. I think of Jesus Christ and John chapter 13 where the Bible says he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself after that he poured water into a basin he began to wash the disciples feet and wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded I would say that this is an awesome picture of being clothed in humility as Jesus Christ lays aside His garments and takes on a towel or, or an apron, if you will, and begins to humble Himself in such a way that He washes His disciples' feet. I would say that He stepped down a lot more than even that when He laid aside His crown That's right. and His kingdom. Where in heaven the Bible says that night and day the, the four beasts above the throne sing, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, which is and was and is to come. He stepped down from that presence in those areas and came down and was born in a manger. Uh, he clothed Himself in humility. And for us, this is what we are to do. We are to see ourselves as we follow Christ Jesus and His example. And here he says something that's interesting. I think this is key to the passage of humility. He says um, in verse 5, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. 
In other words, humility opens up the way for God's grace to come in. And all of us, all of us, we want the grace of God in our lives. We, lo- we need the grace of God in our lives and we want the grace of God. All the grace uh, that we want, that we can have, we want it. And he says uh, this humility, our humility toward the Lord God uh, opens up the way for Him to have grace in us. In other words, as we empty ourselves of self and of pride, we empty ourselves of those things, it makes room for God's grace to come in. Uh, full of grace and truth. That's what Jesus Christ was. The Bible says He was full of grace and truth. Pride hinders us from receiving this grace of God. I believe this, that God's grace is endless and boundless. I believe that. I believe that there is nothing in this world, no sin, no nothing that God's grace can't cover. I believe it. I believe that what the Bible says when He says where sin did abound, Grace did much more about. I believe that. But I also believe that pride in our own heart hinders the grace of God from working and blessing and helping us. Our own pride many times stops that grace of God from working in our lives. There's a story in the Old Testament in Second Kings chapter 5 about Naaman. Now, Naaman was the captain of the host of Syria. He was the general. And, and, and he was the man. At this time, the Syrian army, they were in charge. They were large. And he was the man over it. The Bible says about Naaman that he was a mighty man. That he was a great man. He was a man of valor. He was very uh, important to the king of Syria. The Bible says because by Naaman, the Lord had given deliverance to Syria. In other words, it was Naaman that had went out and conquered all these battles and had made all these wonderful things happen. I'm, I'm just trying to paint the picture here that Naaman was a big shot. He was a big man. He was someone that had done some great and mighty things. But in the same verse where it says those things about Naaman and how big and, and wonderful he is, at the very end it says, and he was a leper. And he was a leper. And in the Bible, leprosy is a picture of sin. Leprosy in the Bible is a picture of how it affects us and before long, uh, sin begins to uh, destroy our lives. Uh, Little pieces and parts of our lives begin to die and fall off because of sin. Uh, Sin separates us from the people that we love. As, as, As wonderful and as great of a man as Naaman was, Uh, Because of his issue, because of leprosy, he was going to get separated from his family. He wasn't going to be able to be around. He was contagious. He was as great of a person as he was. He wasn't going to be able to be around his family anymore. And these pieces and parts of his life were going to start falling off. Then there's another interesting part of this. Uh, It says that there was a little maid. This little maid was a captive. She had come out of Israel. She had been uh, 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 made a slave in Syria and she served Naaman's wife. And the Bible says that she said with all, all, all the confidence in the world, she said, I would to God that my master could go to Samaria to the man of God because he could recover him of his leprosy. 
Just like that. She had great faith, this little maid. She said, I know that if, my, if, if Naaman went to, went to Israel, if he went to Samaria, there's a man of God there named Elisha, and he could, he could heal him of this leprosy. God can heal him of this a disease that he has in his life. And uh, can I say this? Naaman had, was a great man, and he had a lot of things going for him, but he had leprosy. Uh, each and every one of us may have some accomplishments, may have some victories and things in our lives, but the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we need help. No matter how wonderful we are, no matter how great we are, we need help. And this little girl, this little maid says, listen, you can get help in Israel. There's a God that can deliver. There's a God that can heal from this leprosy. And we have a God that can heal from sin. Amen. So the king, of, Is, uh, the king of, of, of Syria hears this and he sends all this treasure and all this, these things to the king of Israel. He thinks, well, if there's a person in Israel that can heal my greatest general of his disease, I'm going to pay for it. So he sends all this money and gold and raiment to the king of Israel and says, here, heal my general. And the king of Israel, when he got all of this, thought that he was getting tricked. He thought that the king of Syria was setting him up for a battle. He's like, are you kidding me? I, I can't heal somebody of leprosy. I don't care how much money you send. I'm not able to heal somebody of leprosy. You know, uh, the government can't heal people from their sin problem. Uh, th- this world, you can't pay for this. And the king thought he was being set up, and Elisha hears of it and says, oh no, Send Naaman to me so that he can know that there's a God in Israel. Let him know that there's a God in Israel. So Naaman, with all his entourage and all this stuff, uh, heads over to Samaria and comes out inside of the prophet Elisha's house and stands there. And and Elisha doesn't even come out and greet Naaman. This is an interesting thing. He sends his minister, uh, his helper there, and he sends him out to uh, Naaman, this great and mighty man, and he says... uh, Go down to the river and dip seven times. Go down to that Jordan and dip seven times and wash yourself and you'll be made clean. And the Bible says this about Naaman when he said that. Naaman said said he became uh, in a rage. He uses the word rage and he was angry. And he said, "I, I thought that this guy would come out and strike his hand over the place and call upon God and recover me of my leprosy. You know, he... He thought that there was going to be some sort of, uh, you know, big big show here that the prophet was going to come out and do some big thing and he was going to get healed there on the spot. And he was angry and he was mad and he was going to head back uh, to Israel. And if he would have left in that rage and in that anger with that pride, he would have gone back to Syria, back to Damascus. He would have went back there an angry, raging bitter, dying leper. If he would have went back in that case. But while he was in this state of anger and rage, he had a servant. I I find it interesting as you read this passage how God uses these servants. By the way, uh, as we humble ourselves uh, and become a servant, I believe that we have many more open doors to minister to folks. Amen. And so this servant says to Naaman, he goes, if the prophet would have had you do some great or hard thing, you would have done it. Why wouldn't you just go down there to the Jordan and dip yourself seven times? 
That seems pretty reasonable, doesn't it? He said, you come all this way. I can almost picture the servant saying, and, and Naaman had said, aren't the rivers of Damascus better than that muddy old Jordan River? And I could almost see the servant saying, uh, Naaman, you're a great man in our eyes. You're our general. You're important to us. You're not lowering yourself or lessening yourself by getting down off that, that fancy charity of yours and going down into that muddy Jordan and dipping seven times. Why don't you just try it? Why don't you just humble yourself, Naaman, and do it? And the Bible says this in 2 Kings chapter 5, and verse 14. And he went down. Naaman, and he went down. I'm here to tell you that many times the greatest thing that we can do in our life is humble ourselves. Sometimes going down and humbling ourselves before God is when the grace of God becomes apparent in our lives. The Bible says he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like under the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. He was healed from that very day, totally made clean. You say, why? Because this great mighty man humbled himself before God, humbled himself before his men, humbled himself there, did something that he thought was humiliating, thought was foolish, thought was crazy. But when he did it, the grace of God came unto him. My goodness, the restoration. He went down a leper and he came up clean. He went down a skeptic and came up a believer. And I can only imagine that when he went home as a, as a new man and as a clean man, and now that the fellowship that he could have now with his family where before he would have been put out and put away because of his, because of his leprosy. I'm just trying to say, if you want to have great, great grace in your life, we have to humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves. He talked about in this passage, he says, in verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 5, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Um, humbling ourselves to God, submitting ourselves to God. You know, submission is an act of faith. Us submitting ourselves to God is an act of faith. It's trusting God to direct our lives and to work out His purpose And here's the key, to work out His purpose in His time. Because it says in due time. In due time means in His time. And many times, this is the hard part for us, is the timing part of it. Because we have our agenda, right? We have our timing, and then God has His timing. And that's why it's important in our prayer, as we seek the Lord, we say, Thy will be done, not mine. Thy will be done. Saying, in other words, God, I believe by faith that your timing is better than my timing and your way is better than my way. And so we put our faith and, and trust in Him and that. Humbling ourselves amongst ourselves and humbling ourselves to God opens up for the grace of God in our lives. Second point, be watchful. Be watchful. He mentions that in verse 8 and 9. He says, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil. The verse before that, he says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I would, I would suggest this, that the reason why we have cares and worries and problems is because we have an adversary. That's right. We have an adversary. It's real. The reason why we have these things is because we have an enemy. 
And he says, uh, uh, be sober about that. And, I, and I'm kind of um, concerned about our culture. I'll be honest with you. And some of the things, uh, you guys know that there was, um, a, a, a officiated a, a funeral on Friday that was, had to do with this very thing. Um, but I think that it's important to us uh, to be sober. The, the, the uh, definition would be temperance in the use of substance, not intoxicated or overpowered, alert, aware of danger. I would say in our culture, in our society today, there's just too many drugs. That's right. It's affecting our minds. It is uh, not allowing us to be sober. It's not allowing us to be, and, and, you, and many of which and are prescribed by doctors. And I'm just here to say that too often our mind is being numbed down and, and made so that we cannot see what is going on. And he says, be sober, be vigilant. In other words, don't be a- a- allowing our mind to be controlled where I would say this, it opens up a door for the enemy to come in. It opens up an, a spot for the enemy to come in and to attack at will. If he controls our mind, then we're kind of, we, we don't have anything to fight back with. He says, be sober, be vigilant. Don't open the door. Don't allow anything to take over our minds. Uh, don't allow our cares. That's why he said, casting all your cares upon him. Don't allow the cares of this world uh, to overtake us and overcome our mind. Peter, it's interesting uses the same formula uh, about this resisting our enemy, the devil, that James does. In the book of James, and I refer to this quite a bit, he says this, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh unto you. And then a little bit lower down, he says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Can I just say that humility is one of those ways of, of, of drawing nigh to God. Yeah, it's one of those safety things. In other words, uh, pride is a way that the devil can use us to get to us. Right? So he says, uh, submit to God, resist the devil. How is it that we draw nigh to God? How is it that you and I are to draw nigh to God? Through humility through casting our cares on Him. Uh, There's some cares of this world and cares of this life that it is not healthy for us to hold on to. Just not healthy for us to hold on to. Jesus said this uh, about the sower that plants seed and, and how that they grow and bring forth fruit. Jesus said, And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the Word. And we become unfruitful. In other words, think about this. I'm, I'm, I'm talking right now about how you and I get attacked by the enemy. And one of the ways is the cares of this world. Why? Because it chokes out the word. As we allow these cares to overtake us, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and, and the lusts of other things, just materialism, as we allow those things to happen, what happens is the Word of God um, is not precious to the people of God. 
That's a scary place. When the word of God is not precious to the people of God, we're being choked. So he says, hey, beware of this. This is what he does. To choke the life right out of the church. How? By cares. Everybody's worried about temporal things. Everybody's stressed out about earthly things. And nobody, not even God's people, are concerned about the eternal. He says, this is a trick of the adversary. This is a trick of the enemy. Watch out for that. Be sober about that. Uh, Be watchful. Be vigilant for what's going on. He says this, and and here's what's important. He says, resist. Steadfast in the faith. Resist. Steadfast in the faith. In other words, we as believers, we as Christians, aren't just to passively sit by and take it. He says in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the whole armor of God, whereby you may be able to uh, quench all the fire, you know, fight against the devil, all this spirit. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, principalities and powers. So many times we as believers uh, don't even know that there's a warfare that's going on. Um, and he says, no, listen, don't just think that, you know, this is all the stuff that's just happening to me. Recognize that there's spiritual warfare and resist it. Resist it. Steadfast in the faith. How does he do it? He says, take on the shield of faith, doesn't he? Above all, taking the shield of faith whereby you may quench the fiery darts of the wicked. The shield of faith. So when the, when the doubts start coming and when the darts start coming... Uh, get the shield of faith up. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That shield of faith will stop those fiery darts. Not just stop it, it says we'll quench those fiery darts. In other words, these darts are, 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 are fiery. <laughs> they can burn up stuff. They can destroy the fort. And so they take the shield of faith and, and quench that fire. Put it out. Get it out of the home. Get it out of our lives and go to, go to warfare against these things. Um, as we look at resisting the enemy and resisting evil, I would say that um, Jesus Christ is a good example of resisting the devil. You know, he, Christ, was able to put, the, put Satan in hell. He could have cast him in hell. And one day he will. But here's the thing. Uh, he didn't do that when he was tempted of Satan. You know what he did? He quoted scripture to him. And the reason why I believe he did that is because that's something that we can do. You and I can quote scripture against temptation. As the devil came to him and began to tempt him, uh, the Bible says that Jesus said, it is written, he quoted scripture, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And Satan continued to tempt him and tried to tempt him again. And Jesus said again, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And he continued to tempt him. He tempted him a third time. And, and Jesus said, it is written, thou, pointing at Satan, shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Amen. And he overcame this temptation. My point with this is, as we as believers, uh, we need to be watchful and resist the, the attacks of the enemy. How? By the word of God. As Christ taught us, resist, don't just take it. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Um, Fight the lies with the truth. 
Fight the lies with the truth, the lies that come into our head, the lies of society, the lies of the world. Uh, Fight the lies with truth. Overcome evil with good. Be watchful. We as God's people, we as the church, we need to be humble. We need to be watchful. And lastly, we can be hopeful. We can be hopeful. He says at the end of that passage of 1 Peter chapter 5, he talks about, but the God of all grace who hath called us into His eternal glory. Uh, the God of all grace, that's why we have hope. Yes. Because He's the God of all grace, that's why we have hope. Because of His grace. And His grace is sufficient for us. You know what I find is interesting? As he says, after that we have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Uh, This may be a little bit strange to think, but sometimes the thing that humbles us, we should be thankful for. You know? As As a... Sometimes we have insufficiencies in our lives. Sometimes it may be your, your, your wife that humbles you or your husband that humbles you, your kids that won't let you get proud, you know? Uh, but listen, whatever it is in our lives that humble us, sometimes that's great and good for us. Why? Because remember, it's humility that allows the grace of God to come in and opens that door for grace. Paul the Apostle said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, uh, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Our sufficiency is of God. He says the same in the same book, uh, 2 Corinthians, he says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work. I, I would have you turn to 2 Corinthians. I want to I look at one, one thing here about this, is that the hope that we have is because of the grace of God, even, even in our insufficiencies, even in our troubles, uh, God can show His grace even more and even more uh, perfectly. Sometimes uh, the things that we go through, sometimes the things that we suffer, uh, the trials, they work to equip us, um, to adjust us, maybe to make us fit into what God has for us. He says, well, establish, make you perfect, settle you, right? And Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 7, This is an interesting passage and powerful. He says in verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. So Paul said, um, God gave me some pretty great revelation, like the revelation of the church age, the age of grace, all the, the New Testament books that Paul the Apostle wrote. And he said, just in case... I would get lifted up in pride or I would get uh, 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 exalted above measure. He said, look at this. There was given me a thorn of the flesh. The messenger of Satan debuffed me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice 
that it might depart from me. And he said unto me. So Paul said, listen, there was something that happened to me and, and, and likely uh, this that Paul had prayed that the Lord would take away was his blindness. And he, and he said, I, I prayed that God would take this from me three times. And God spoke to him after the third time and said this. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, this is what God said to me about my, my insufficiency. He said, God said, my grace is there for you, Paul. You'll become stronger because of your weakness if you trust in me. And then he goes on to say, Paul says, most gladly, therefore. This is such a change of mindset right here than the human mindset, than the natural mindset. Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. If you read this whole passage, which is pretty neat, Paul talks about this revelation being taken up into the third heaven and all these sort of awesome things that happened to the Apostle Paul. He was a special man as God gave him these revelations and he wrote most of the New Testament here. And you know what Paul said? I don't glory in all that other stuff that happened. You know what I glory in? My infirmities. Paul said, I found in my Christian life that when I have these weaknesses, God's strength is able to pour in. God's grace is able to make up those gaps. And then it's God that gets the glory out of it when I'm weak, when I can't do it, when I've come to the end of myself, and then God works. He says, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I find that phrase interesting, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Because in 1 Peter chapter 5, we read where it says, um, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. In other words, Paul says, uh, when God's mighty hand rested upon me, I was humbled. And I recognized my insufficiencies and my infirmities. But when I recognized that, that's when God exalted me and helped me and did many great things through this apostle. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, my reproaches, my necessities and persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake. That is so countercultural. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine that being someone's Facebook page? All their infirmities, reproaches, and necessities. We are, we are not that way. We, we put our best foot forward. It's all how great we are and how good we are and how wonderful we are. Paul said, uh, not me. Not me. I found out that it's uh, my infirmities and my necessities and my weaknesses that God gets the glory through my life. Amen. And Paul says uh, all those things. He says I was. Uh, he said I was a Pharisee. I was zealous. He said I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin. And he went on to say all the wonderful things that he was before he became a believer. And he said I counted all those things but loss to know Christ. Amen. He said I glory now in my weaknesses. Why? Because I have hope. Why do we have hope? Because of God and His grace. He tells us in that passage of 1 Peter, we are called to His eternal glory. That gives hope. Eternal glory gives hope. Yeah. Uh, glory. We, we're called to heaven. We have 
a new heaven uh, to look forward to. We have glorified bodies to look forward to. Eternity, from glory to glory. Glory, I have hope. And my hope is not in myself. My hope is not in me. But my hope is in Him and what He has done for us. Can I say this as we close? God's grace will lead us to His glory in more ways than one. What I mean by that is, you know, the song Amazing Grace, we started by grace and it's by grace that we're going to finish and by grace God's going to take us to His glory. But sometimes we get to experience the glory of God in our everyday life. And that's by His grace. It's by His grace. God's grace will lead us to His glory. And can I say humility leads us to His grace and grace leads us to His glory. So as we close, maybe we think about this as God's people. We need to be humble. Humble with each other, humble in our relationships, humble to God. We need to be watchful, sober, vigilant, recognizing that we have an enemy and and knowing how the tools that God has given us to resist, to resist those attacks that come into our mind and come into our heart. And finally, no matter what we face, no, no matter what we go through, we're hopeful. We're hopeful. Now, you can't get a people down that when they recognize that their infirmities make them stronger. When they recognize their weaknesses make them stronger because of God's grace that comes in. This is a group of people, God's people, that are very hopeful. Amen? We're hopeful in Him and in His grace. I want us to stand and sing page 36 as we close. If the Lord's spoken to your heart though, maybe just take some time and pray and say, Lord, I want to humble myself before you. Lord, there's some areas in my life and in my home I need to be more watchful. And God, I'm just thankful for the hope that you've given us because of your grace. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.